Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show number 346 with your host, Lauren Gray. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hospitality Marketing, the podcast. I am your host, Lauren Gray, and this is episode number 346. So each week, we spend around 20 to 30 minutes sharing the most interesting tools, news, and techniques being used in marketing for the hospitality industry. We also do a quick recap of our weekly live TV show, This Week in Hospitality Marketing, which also airs every Friday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. time on the Hospitality Channel TV. So with that, let's get started. And now, today's new resource tool. Okay, so our tools for review this week, and again, once again, there are multiple tools this week, are all related, of course, to the same concept of what our technique discussion will be, and that is boomerangme.biz. <laughs> well, at least that's the first tool anyway. Boomerangme.biz is a new tool I just picked up. Uh, really, actually, pretty darn cool. There are certain things as you get into the space of some of these tools and how they function that you realize there are certain limitations and certain things you can duplicate yourself without having to pay a platform like Boomerang Me to do. And then there are other things that are just conveniently put together that a platform like Boomerang Me does provide. If you think about it, we are faced with a multiplicity of ways of connecting with guests uh, for redemptions of coupons and uh, frequency programs and so forth. And we're not not—we're going to talk about our technique about a lot of the functionality. But Boomerang Me does a really cool job of creating a very simple non-app-based function. What do I mean by non-app? They don't have to download a different app of you or for you to do what Boomerang Me does for you. And that is, it basically creates whatever redemption card format you want, whether it's as simple as stamps or a cash bag, which is a progression reward or a subscription as to rewarding you for certain functions within your relationship. But what makes the, what, what Boomerang Me does is that it creates a card in your Apple Pay wallet. Um, as also with Google in, in your wallet, which means that it's a it's a card that you usually stuffed in your wallet or your purse uh, that you had to dig out when you went to your lunch place and you wanted to get the fifth free. So you had to keep bringing the same card over for them to uniquely stamp or uniquely punch on that card so that you could ver- validate your free redemption, whatever that may be. Boomerang Me creates that kind of function. We'll get more into its functionality in a little bit. But the next t- um, tool I want to talk about is one we've talked about before that does similar to um, what Boomerang Me does, and that is called Rewardsly. Rewardsly is a loyalty rewards program that connects to and works with the same functionality with it, where you are able to create a redemption program for people as they come in. You can assign value to them as to the rewards they do. It does offer a little bit more, I think, diversity into the types 
of loyalty programs that you can create. But the thing between the two tools of, of Boomerang Me versus Rewardsly is Boomerang Me offers two functionalities that are very critical to, I think, its value proposition. One, it puts a card in your wallet, your digital wallet, on your phone. It makes it easy to find, retrieve, easy to functionally use when you're standing in line with people behind you. It's a rush, it's lunch, whatever. And it makes it a little bit more uh, functional in that time space. Uh, also, it allows you for proximity marketing when you're within 333 feet of the property to do push notifications, which is a very key element compared to SMS texting in the sense that push notifications aren't texts that you have to punch into your text app to see. They're pushes that come onto your screen because you allow them to be seen. There's a whole program of being able to announce to people any specials, offers, uh, reminders, what have you, through this push notification. Again, we'll talk about techniques in just a little bit. So the two tools so far that we've discussed, first one is boomerangme.biz, the second one is rewardsly.co. The third one, and there's a slight innuendo to a fourth, but we'll just say the third one, is qrsync.me, qrsync.me. Now, qrsync is a farther stretch to more than just the redemption program. It's a means of interaction for menu sharing, menu ordering. It, it has a more robust engagement uh, capabilities than just simply pushing notification and or redemption rewards and frequency programs and what have you. There's a whole nother level of value to it where it allows you to put your menu on mobile and or any other uh, digital display, uh, which you can then also create down to the table level uh, where, you know, you can indicate, you know, at the table, poof, you blink it and then you can see the menu. Uh, there are other tools that function in other advanced ways, which will lead to our technique discussion today. But this tool, QRSync, is really cool because it's affordable. It's straightforward. You can use it for carryout. You can use it for pickup has a lot of cool function and value to it. So the third tool is qrsync.me. The fourth one that I'm only going to allude to is one that I've used for literally over a decade, and that is thatsbiz.com. And I'm going to throw it into the tool list of discussion today because of our technique discussion. But the tool itself, that biz, it is incredibly hard to replicate what they've done and what they've done is they've allowed to create a tool that you can do time sensitivity and or frequency sensitivity to your qr offer codes and i say this from a functionality of say for instance you want to do a lunch special uh today it looks like it's a rainy day so your outdoor seating is not going to get used so you want to incentivize people to think of you for lunch because they think of you as an outdoor place going mm, but they love your food but they can't sit outside so maybe offer them a little bogo or something um, you can send out in your social media a a QR code that they can they can put on your phone, their phone. They show the QR code when they come in, and the server can scan it and determine if it's valid. That validity creation can be how many of these can be redeemed, like the first 100 people, when it can be redeemed, like between 11 and 2 o'clock only, or how long does it last all of this week. So that functionality is hard to find, and I still have yet to find somebody that does it as well as they do. But that's a neat little tool also, and that is called thatsbiz.com. So those are our tools in review for this week. Boomerangme.biz, rewardsly.co, qrsync.me, and thatsbiz.com. Which brings us to our technique of the week. Now, for this week's hospitality technique. So our technique of the week is titled... Restaurants need to go to rehab. Gonna go to rehab, I say no, no. Anyway, 
Um, I have had an axe to grind about this for quite a while on the restaurant's evolution as to what they're into and what they're doing at this particular time. Um, there are many articles that go through as to the demise of restaurants, the maturation of restaurants, the evolution of restaurants. Everybody has an aspect of opinion about what restaurants are. Uh, most of those people, unfortunately, have an opinion about something they've never owned and operated themselves. I have done both. And have worked for and with and owned and operated many types of restaurants over a variety of locations. Anything from nightclubs to full service to fine dining to takeouts to bar food to sports bars. All of it. And so I say it from a first-hand perspective as to what works, what would like to work but probably doesn't, and what at the end of the day is really helpful. Um, there's a really cool article, and it'll be in the show notes, from uh, barandrestaurant.com, uh, yeah, barandrestaurant.com, and they're referring to the top five tech trends in bars and restaurants. I gotta say, a lot of this is just clickbait, which is why I pulled this article out of the pile, because it reflects, reflects upon a lot of people's, let's throw something at the topic and hope that people find worthy of reading long enough to see our ads that we have in here. Um, but there are, as with any of them, grains of sand of truth to all of these. The reason why I picked the tools that I did uh, as to what they do and what they're for is really to make you think to the theme of our technique that restaurants re need to go to rehab. They need to wean themselves off of what their comfort familiarity zone is, their progress and progression of what they usually did into a world of what they can use to better not only replace what they have to change from, but expand in what they need to do to adapt to the new clientele's demands and interests. I say this from a pre-COVID, COVID, and transitional point that we're at. We're still in a pandemic, but a transitional point, whether it's a lull between waves or whether it's a transition to not being as much of an influence on our daily lives as it is, whatever, food and beverage has a tremendous amount of challenges with, with razor-thin margins. And so any benefit of how to get itself in a position to have good cash flow, top-line revenue, is an advantage point. Now, we've talked about in times past, podcast-wise and so forth, live show-wise as well, of ghost kitchens and so forth. All of things like that have merit and value. And all of those things should be considered based on the uniqueness of what particular way your restaurant does business. Whether it's located in a hotel, whether it's located as a standalone, whether it's a corner shop, whether it's a residential one, whether it's a high-profile destination bar, whatever variation you own and operate in, these tools have different value to you. This is not to hold a blind eye that a very, a very large amount of very large organizations have in themselves created solution tools in their own platforms. Toast is a good example of one. Uh, spot, in, uh, spot On is another one. And they've offered some really innovative solutions, but they're also very expensive. And when your relationship exists with them, you are very dedicated to being loyal to them because they don't allow other systems to integrate with their system. And I go back to the Aloha days and micros and all those transitional ones. I go far back where there's cash registers, mechanical, button pushing, pull the lever kind of cash registers. Yeah, I'm that old. But all said and same, cash usage tends to be down, except for maybe by the type of business that you represent, and less contact has been preferred. 
from lots of reasons, from the user experience and from the restaurant experience. Reprinting and keeping clean menus is both expensive from the restaurant and also a bit of a challenge for guests. Add to it our current circumstances where supply chain issues, pricing of product is going up in such a random, consistent, random progressive way, printing a menu with a price on it burdens you with that price until you have to reprint the menu again to change the price. So an item that you need to modify the price because product went from a dollar a pound to five dollars a pound means you have to reprint all the menus you're doing. So one of the things that came out of the pandemic in the transition processes is QR codes and the usage of them, which means you can dynamically change your menu prices and items and descriptions and all that stuff online in such a way that people can use their own phones, which nobody travels without, at the table. They can scan the QR code and wow, Shazam, there's the menu for them to select and choose through. We've had very active discussions as to what you should have in that. Not only just the description of the food and some nice picture of your food that can be seen close up to really see portion and presentation, but also perhaps a depth behind it. Maybe videos, maybe helpful things. What are you in the mood for? What are suggestions you may have? We know there's a labor shortage that we are not able to fix yet. We have a whole mess with that. We've had many podcasts and live shows about that. But in the meanwhile, you want to provide a level of personalized service to the guests coming into your restaurant. Having a means to describe a dish in a way that they can see, whether it's you know something they can watch on video, whether it's a text they can see, whether it's languages that are more comfortable for them, perhaps they would like to read it in Spanish compared to English. Whatever it is, you can adapt depending upon what your restaurant provides as service to the demographics that come into your restaurant. You can add that value and depth of touch by preemptively creating this type of content and letting the guests choose. Do they care to see that? No. So don't force them to see it. Have them as an option. Say, hey, if you want to know more about this dish or what's in the dish, add things. And this is I did not put into the tools, which we've talked about before, and I'll probably have a separate podcast about this, creating menus that have the nutritional breakdown and giving them the codes, the, 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 the QR codes, barcodes, that your apps that keep track of your food for those that monitor their food, which are a lot of people that go through weight cycles and dietary restrictions and so forth, they scan and it goes into their apps. And the apps now house all the sodiums and the fats and the, and, and the carbohydrates and proteins that, that the meal, based on the recipe, is entitled to based on the portioning size, and the person can put it into their meal function. You figure that a lot of the Weight Watchers of the world and all the Atkins and all these people that have these apps, that's literally what they do. They mitigate their product by defining what's in it, and that is what their app helps support so it controls what needs to be controlled by the person using them. Why not do that for yourself, especially if you have the clientele that is interested in that? If you're offering foods that are gluten-free or vegan-based or are sensitive to diets or maybe more for health health interests and so forth, that is a value proposition you can put into your menu structure. That menu structure shouldn't always have to be on a printed menu, although you can do that as well. But the idea is that the more you can support all the questions that come from having a server, a knowledgeable, well-trained server that has enough manpower between all the ones you need to dedicate the time in the dialogue with a guest at a table so that they're not running 10 tables. They should be running four or five, depending upon the seating 
capacity. And they can take the time to describe the dish, to answer questions, to maybe upsell the guest on items that might be going better with that dish that they've chosen and so forth. Those things are gone right now. Right now we're looking for base functionality of for what I order, I actually get and it's still edible, not cold or misproportioned or not what, what, what is that I ordered and that I get refills on my drinks when I want them and things that I need. That, that Those days almost seem bygone um, in so many ways. And very few places are still able to maintain those service levels. So you have to fill in that void with a lot of the stuff that is available in our market, like the tools I was referring to. Plus also, and this is a thing that's very well known, on average, it takes you $49 to gather a new guest. And I'm, I'm, that number can go up and go down. It's going up, actually, based on cost of advertisement, marketing, what have you, compared to $3 to retain a guest. Again, it can go up and down. But the, the idea of giving you those two numbers is to give you relative value between going out for a new guest to your restaurant versus being able to retain your current guest that's already experienced your product. Obviously, quality of your product has to be there for them to want to come back. That's that's baseline given. But what do you do to solicit their return to your restaurant? If you're in an area that has density, which usually it is, most restaurants are located in and around other restaurants because that commonality of diversity is a draw-in, a drawing factor for people to come down and go, well, let's go to the little downtown place. Yeah, I know I'm in the mood for sushi, but you know, if we need to, there's a pizza place around the corner and across the other way is the seafood place. That very nature of symbiotic relationship of restaurants is what creates a destination thrive for not just one restaurant, which may not be worth it, but between the multiplicities of restaurants that are there is a driver. So for that reason, you then have to, that's the driver that brings you there and hotels deal the same way. Then from there, how do you differentiate yourself between those other considerations that are literally right next door to you as options? And what you do with that is value the relationship with the guest. What am I willing to give or acknowledge of their repeatability to my restaurant that will make them choose to come to me, take a left and come into me versus a right and go to my competitor who is competing because they're in the same little block as me. So what can I do? And that's where these things like Boomerang, Me, Biz, Rewardsly uh, can really help because you're acknowledging the frequency of the guests, the aka pseudo loyalty of them because you're saying you came in before because you came in before i'm willing to acknowledge that and reward you accordingly as to how often you come in or how much you spend or did you come in because of what i solicited to you these are reward-based values everyone knows the value of their patronage everyone knows the value of their business everyone knows the value of their data these are all push points as to making sure that you stand out compared to the competitors that are eminently around you with that, you need to go over and have a good, smooth transition for your team to function at their optimum. You don't want to burden them with multiplicities of platforms. This is where you begin to have to decide how you want to solve this and, 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 and create solutions for this. You can go down the path of the tools that I'm talking about, and they're, they're affordable, they're functional, and they work, but they're not integrated. So the effort of a boomerang need to be used is the server has to take out their phone, which they already have anyway, scan the QR code that is being offered or the barcode that's being offered by the guest that has it from what we push to them to give them the reward that they need to be allocated to. Rewardsly just has to be they 
scan the card when they're in for when they're, they're at and they get acknowledged that they did that from where they were and the value is put on by the by the uh, team member for what reward is worth um, things like uh, that's biz it's just a simple redemption value if you do this and it's and you bring it in and you show it and you get the redemption of what we've offered so there is trans there is transitional transactional things that can be done based on these platforms you look at the word spot on you know the, the platform spot on or toast and they have that integrated into the pos system of your cash register which is so much easier you know you i spent 50 dollars with you i give 50 dollars worth of points and rewards to me um things like spot on are really cool they did some things that i've always appreciated from other platforms like tabbed out and so forth where you can scan the barcode of your table and the orders that you then do on your phone go to the kitchen without the server having to come in and do all this for you and go into the kitchen and they know what table and what seat you're in and then you can also divvy up the bill between who's at the table so if i go up with friends i don't have to worry about okay here's the receipt and yes the server can do that the server can you know we're going to split the bill up okay great the server has to go back take the time to designate what's going on whose bill and then come back with the separate credit cards and receipts and or pens and or books or whatever it is that they have to do. But things like tabbed out and spot on, go over and say, okay, I'm on table 10, seat one. I had the burger and I had the iced tea. And I need to leave. My friends are still going to be here. They're going to be, you know, I, I got to go. I got to go back to the office. But then I can go and hit it, acknowledge that those are mine, confirm it, have my method of payment already in place for it. And if not, add it, which is easy enough. I got a wallet and hit pay and put in my tip and I'm done. I walk out the door and nobody's chasing me down the street going, hey, mister, what's your number? And I have a proof of payment. I have a receipt of payment. They acknowledge Lauren at table 10, seat one, paid his bill. That doesn't mean seat two, three, and four have paid and the table still has those people on it, but I paid and left. So the server doesn't have to worry about it. That's the benefit of having an integrated POS system like SpotOn or like Toast that does those sort of things. These tools like Boomerang and Rewardsly and QR Sync don't have that full integrated functionality to the reward system. They can perform what they do, but there's still a crossover to put it into the system. So a person wants to go over and pay their bill. Yes, they can pay their bill by coming up to the register. Yes, the, 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 the team members behind the register sees that I spent $50. Now I have to go over and scan their boomerang QR code, assign them the value of the rewards points on my phone that gets to their phone via the boomerang app that, 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 that handles that transaction point, which is great. It does that work, but that's a non-integrated relationship between the register and the team member and the guest so there you have it there's the, the reason why i want to say restaurants need to go to rehab is because all of these things need to be considered we have deficits as to our our manpower we have deficits as to our service levels we have deficits in the awareness of our menus i often get brought to places oh you gonna love this place like, well, what do they have and what's the favorite question you ask of any server that does come to your table hey what's good Okay, what's the usual answer? Everything, you know. And then, of course, you're assuming that the server likes the same food you like. So when the server says, oh, I just love the bean sprout salad, I'm sitting there going, I, first off, bean sprout salad, you know, that's not what I'm here for, nope. And you dismiss it. And then, of course, the other fallback, which is more traditional and long lengthy, is the the server will pick the most expensive item. Well, I love the surf and turfs and the Chateaubriand is off the top. 
Yeah, of course you do, because it's a huge ticket item. You're upselling. I understand it. And that used to be the way things were. So why not introduce a digital means of me educating myself on the menu now that I'm there? Obviously, you can, on your website, share people with what your restaurant is and the featured food and people's reviews and all this stuff. If I have the time to actually do that and go to your website and see all that stuff. But if I'm walking in off the street and or with a friend that surprised me with this, I don't have that luxury. So the next best thing traditionally was the server to fill in the gaps of all the stuff I should be aware of. So I make a good decision as to that I will look back and say I enjoyed being there because I had a great meal that I liked. Well, we know there's a deficit to that. So how can we take technology and intercede that and get there and show them content that is usable by the guest so they can make an informed decision to their benefit to enjoy our product? So that's it. Restaurants need to go to rehab. And I say, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, that was my bad rendition of a song. Uh, that brings us to our news and show review. Now, this week's hospitality news that you should know. Had a guest. Well, Dean, you know, Dean has been a busy, busy man. I know that because I've been busy with Dean on our Metasearch campaigns. And I thought out of frustrations and awareness of what I've grown up with these past few weeks, months, about integrating MetaSearch into the structure of revenue generation for our hotel. That our topic today in the live show, and Dean joined me as co-host for the first half hour out of our hour, was MetaSearch campaign management. The devil is in the details. And yes, um, I, strangely enough, there's a progression of awareness of MetaSearch that I have witnessed again and again and again. First, the first, very first step is to get sold on the idea that MetaSearch can be beneficial. And the funny part of, of MetaSearch being beneficial is the idea of not knowing what MetaSearch is. So there's an education process. MetaSearch, oh, isn't that stuff where OTAs, you know, there's just the, the OTAs are selling your hotels, blah, blah, blah. I, I, do, I do digital marketing. You know, I do paid ads so that people can see my, my website's offer, blah, blah. It's not. They're not the same thing. They don't do the same thing. They're a totally different thing. Uh, the article I was referring to was out of G-Commerce from Lisa McGivney, who had a really great statement. She said, what if I told you there was a risk-free direct booking channel that can drive on average, of 8% of total web bookings at an average 5% conversion rate, would you be interested? Most people say yes. And that's literally the description of MetaSearch. And so on the live show, we discussed about the fact that MetaSearch goes through the transition of awareness that MetaSearch is a tool that they need to exploit to the next step. Step two is they're thinking it's a set and forget. Well, all I'm doing is connecting my rates and inventory capability so it displays up in the MetaSearch on the bar of the MetaSearch platform, the Google hotel ads on the side if on Google or TripAdvisor or you know the other MetaSearch platforms, Trivago, Wego, what have you, Skyscanner, uh, that just represents we have a direct link for them to book with us. And yes, by that point, they understand that the direct link means the direct channel cost compared to third-party channel costs or OTA commissions and so forth. So there's a value to that. They understand that, but it's not a set-and-forget program. Uh, just having it turned on is beneficial, absolutely. But how it yields requires a hand on the tiller, a gentle touch, a hand on the steering wheel, whatever analogy works for you. Because in all honesty, there is a lot of nuance to optimizing MetaSearch and campaigns. Here's where it, things kind of fall off the rail in some ways. Most 
first time people getting into Metasearch, Metasearch, once they decide they want to get into Metasearch, is to go to the least uh, resistance factor. Usually a lot of third parties like Triptease, uh, Adara, Synexus um, Travel Club, you know what, will offer this and they'll say, well, we'll wrap it up in the current contract we have with you. Uh, and first off, you know nothing is for free, okay? Just not. They're going to get their money out of what you've decided for them to do, regardless of whether you think it's a straight-up fee and or cost. There's cost associated with it. Usually, it's in a heavier commission of percentage than just like an OTA. So what you've done is gone from frying pan to fire. It may be a less commission than what you pay your OTAs, but it's still a commission you're paying based on productivity. Here's where some things go off the rails you are not aware of. And that is, as they do this, they're doing this with the sole benefit of monetizing this. So they're going to constantly push, in spite of your other campaigns where you might not want both to exist in the same space, to sell your product for you as you all the time, in spite of whatever else you're doing. Because their carrot on a stick is the commissions they make off of your sales. They're always going to sell the most that they can for you, which is a good thing, but it, the ways that, that that makes them the most money, which is not always a good thing. So what they have internally, and I ask you flat out, you can ask every one of these questions of the people that are offering you MetaSearch right now, and I can guarantee you with the exception of being people like Dean or other small organizations that are doing this, then none of the answers are affirmative, meaning they're not going to answer yes. One is, do they mitigate your rate bid strategy per day per channel? The answer is no. Do they mitigate bids based on your level of demand and or occupancy? Level, the question is no. Will they, outside of monthly reporting, okay, will they show you production by channel as broken down by free versus paid for Google, okay? Channel production on those that don't show the organic, because there is not an organic function to the other ones. And also, do they not take credit for non-paid campaigns? Answer is no. What happens is, and this is something very unique to Google that literally, uh, Dean brought this up in our conversation, today's conversation, that in March of last year was their first rolled out. Google rolled out what was called organic meta. What that means is, is that anybody that has the availability of selling inventory, affiliate-based, relationship, whatever have you, can connect themselves to meta search and without paying for position, which is pay for play, kind of like what you have as SEO versus SEM, uh, showing up because of your relevancy versus showing up because you paid to be there. Other people can show, sell your inventory. Well, there's an organic function that came to Google. What's very interesting is you also, by being in MetaSearch, also allow your direct channel to exist in organic Google, which means you get basically free business in the sense that, yes, you're paying to be on the channel, but you're not paying for that business. You're not paying ad time for that business, for, for those bookings. And there is monies that are there. The unfortunate part of it is, as Dean pointed out, there are some companies that are saying that they are the ones that created that and are charging you commissions for it when really it was out of default that you were present in MetaSearch organically. Uh, that is a very big question to ask of them. The second big question that we came out of the live show was to discuss with your wholesalers in contract that they cannot, will not, and in and, and lieu of being found and discovered, terminated from selling your inventory outside of the current contractual relationship of what they offer 
through the channel of connection with you for their wholesale contracts, meaning they can't sell it to affiliates, alternatives, or they themselves free sell it as a rate availability that, that they have of yours and undersell you by showing lower rates than what you're showing because they have a lower rate negotiated with you as a wholesaler. That is coming up in your contract negotiations this year that you have to make sure. So we had lots of really cool conversations. I've, I've kind of spilled the beans on some of the highlights of this. We talked a lot about the mechanics of managing MetaSearch campaigns, how to manage MetaSearch campaigns, what's the value proposition of Meta managing the MetaSearch campaigns at the level that we do it at. Um, again, we weren't doing it to self-sell. It was just doing this means that we have very intimate firsthand knowledge of how all this works, plus the logistics of issues connecting with your internet booking engines and the default settings on templates and the things that create confusions that cause poor conversions because uh, of the fact that they create obstacles for the guests because basically with any ad, once you click on it, it should go to what the ad was for, not having them to go through other hurdles to get to the part of what the ad was for. I also talked about the MetaSearch calculator that we have and how to use it and create it and determine the unknown variables. And I had a really good fun hour in the conversation of it. So our topic was the MetaSearch campaign management. The devil is in the details. Highly recommended. It was show number 346, a.k.a. is like this podcast. And it's it's a it's a great listen to if you get the chance to it. Um, that really is all the stuff we have for that. And the news, of course, was related to um, the usage of MetaSearch. So I'm not going to get into politics this this week about it. We just know that it has an effect on our our business cycles at this point. So remember, you can find us on Google Play, Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora. The list is 39 and counting. Plus, also, we're on Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri. Simply ask any of those that you use to play the hospitality marketing podcast. And it'll always play the latest version. And no matter which one you use, of course, please, if you... Uh, can leave us a rating and a comment uh, that would be incredibly helpful not only for others to, to discover our content but also to give us the feedback of what we need to know that we're talking about the things you want us to talk about if you have further follow-up questions of the things we did talk about any any comments you have about what we're talking about so please do that and of course if this is your first time hearing us bang that subscribe button on the platform you discovered us on so that you can continue to get our weekly podcasts uh, on everything that is hospitality marketing related as we say um of course, for archive of this podcast, all podcasts, 17 years and counting, uh, and all of our live shows, eight years and counting, you can go to hospitalitychannel.tv. There you'll see the replays, and as we segment out our content searchably, so you can find it by content and or by guest speaker and or by time, uh, time of year or which year or what have you. Uh, we'll have a variety of things that you can watch and listen to for all of that. Uh, of course, don't forget our live video or live TV talk show, This Week in Hospitality Marketing, um, which we do, which is actual TV channel. You can find the TV channel, Hospitality Channel, on Roku, Apple, Amazon, and Google. Uh, just simply look for the channel on your, your smart TV and we're there. Our live show is always on the free side. When I say free side, there is a pay gateway for additional content. Much like Netflix, you pay one fee and you get access to the data behind it. It's cancelable at any time, so forth and so on. And of course, uh, archives of the live show are also on our website version of it of talktravel.tv and also our replay TV channel, hospitalitychannel.tv. So with that, my name is Lauren Gray. Thank you for the privilege of your time and we look forward to talking to you next week.
You have been listening to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show 346 brought to you by Hospitality Digital Marketing and in support of the HSMAI, Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International, All Right Reserve Copyright 2022. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.